Sunday blessings to you all. This is the Lord's Day, the day of resurrection that commences a new week and offers a new opportunity to be drawn by grace more deeply into the Paschal mystery of Jesus Christ. Through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, may each of us graciously respond to Jesus' invitation to live more deeply his passion, death, and glorious resurrection and ascension, and be drawn into loving communion with God our Father. You are listening to Encountering Jesus with the Church Fathers, a podcast pondering patristic commentary and insight on the sacred scriptures, the sacred liturgy, and living as a disciple of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Father Mark, and I welcome you to this podcast on the Solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity. Guiding us this Sunday in opening the Word of God is a familiar voice, St. Gregory of Nazianzus. He was born in the year 330 in what is now known as Nenenzi, located in southwestern Turkey. Raised in a Christian and comfortable household, Gregory had access to various educational opportunities, culminating in the study of rhetoric and poetry at the University of Athens. It was here he met St. Basil the Great, and the two formed a lifelong friendship. In time, Basil and Gregory were prepared for priestly ordination, a reality that Gregory reluctantly accepted. Gregory preferred a more monastic approach to life, especially prayer and study. As his friend Basil was shoring up the faith in the province of Caesarea, he convinced Gregory to be the bishop of Sassima. As a result of tense situations, both from within and without the diocese, Gregory returned home, only in time to become what amounted to the chaplain at the chapel of the Anastasis in Constantinople. In time, he became the Bishop of Constantinople and was one of the leaders of the Council of Constantinople in 381. While his theological writings were a great and necessary contribution to the Council's Christology and Trinitarian theology, Gregory did not fare well with matters of administration. He was eventually deposed of both the See of Constantinople and the Presidency of the Council probably hurt by his treatment, yet relieved of the burdens he knew he could not handle, he retired to his family estate. Here he spent the remainder of his life devoted to prayer and writing. History would eventually bestow the titles of the theologian and the poet upon him. He penned numerous pieces on pertinent theological and pastoral questions. Five of those treatises are known as the Theological Orations, as they deal with Trinitarian personhood against the writings of Eunomius. 
Today's excerpt is taken from Poem 2, On the Sun, reflecting the Gospel proclamation according to St. John, chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. First of all, we shall sing of the Son, honoring that blood which is our passion's cleansing. For we must come to the mortal's aid with those of heaven, due to that tongue that wars against the divine, foul-minded, suicidal. Before the Great Father, nothing was. For he holds within himself everything, and nothing higher than the Father exists. He who has sprung from the Father is the great God's Word, Eternal Son. The archetype's image, a nature equal to his parent. For the Son so great is the Father's glory, and from him he shone forth as only the Father and he that shone forth from the Father understand. For no one has come close to the Godhead. But this much, at least, is clear to everyone, just as it is to me. I have no right to foist on the Godhead a birthday, an emission, or some loathful cutting. For though I do not reproduce dispassionately, since I'm composite, not at all subject to passion is he who is wholly incomposite, unbodied. When things, natures are remote, that wonder if their beginning differ too. If time came before me, time is not before the word, whose begetter is atemporal. When the beginningless father was there, leaving nothing superior to his divinity, then also was the father's son, having in the father a timeless beginning, like the sun's great circle of overwhelming clear light. And while all ideas fall short of the great God, so that nothing interposes between Father and Son, eternally existing, we should distinguish the Lord the Son from the Lord the Father. If something came prior to God, whether time or will, that would divide the Godhead, I think. To be God, to be begetter, he must be the great begetter. And if the greatest thing concerning the Father is that his treasured divinity has no origin, it's no less a thing for the honored offspring of the great Father to have such a root. 
So don't exclude God from God. For you've not known the child distanced from the father. The terms unbegotten and begotten of the father do not make two kinds of Godhead. Someone has alleged about this, that each is foreign to the other. But the nature is inseparable, if you ask me. Then, though the word is begotten, he is not fleshly, since his father, it will be admitted, is fleshless. And no man's mind is ever so corrupt as to think otherwise. And so you have God the Son, his parents' worthy pride and joy. But if, rendering offerings to the great Father's Godhead worthlessly, and gravening in your heart a hollow fear, you would deny this thing and would hurl Christ out amongst creatures. You insult, O nitwit, the divinity of them both. You flinch the sons, who's not God if created. For all that once was not is but a creature, even if a thing perdures and stands as fixed through God's great reasons. And why, bold sir, when your starting point was this, that through Christ's sufferings you may become God hereafter, do you then make him go in chains and call him your co-slave, honoring him with gifts for that slavery instead of for being God? If the great God formed him later, as a fine tool, as a smith forges a hammer for the sake of a cart, so that by his firstborn's hand God might make me, then far worthier than the celestial Christ would be the creature. For its sake the Word exists. Not it for Christ. Who would maintain such a thing? But if it's that, to rescue you from your passions, he took on a body. Would you therefore set a yardstick on his great famed Godhead? Has he sinned in pitying you? To me, rather, he's the more amazing, for he didn't shave off any bit of Godhead, and still, he saved me, stooping as a doctor over my foul-smelling passions. He was a man, but God, David's offspring, but Adam's maker, a bearer of flesh, but even so, beyond all body. From a mother, but she a virgin. Comprehensible, but immeasurable. And a manger received him, 
while a star led the Magi, who so came bearing gifts and fell on bended knee. As a man, he entered the arena, but he prevailed as indomitable over the tempter in three bouts. Food was set before him, but he fed thousands and changed the water into wine. He got baptized, but he washed sins clean. But he was proclaimed by the Spirit in a voice of thunder to be the Son of the One Uncaused. As a man, he took rest, and as God, he put to rest the sea. His knees were wearied, but he bolstered the strength and knees of the lame. He prayed, but who was it who heard the petitions of the feeble? He was the sacrifice, but the high priest, making an offering, but himself God. He dedicated his blood to God and cleansed the entire world. And a cross carried him up while the bolts nailed fast sin. But what's for me to say these things? He had company with the dead, but he rose from the dead. And the dead... The bygone he raised up. There, a mortal's poverty. Here, the incorporeal's wealth. Don't you dishonor, then, his divinity on account of his human things. But for the divine's sake, hold in renown the earthly form into which, thoughtful towards you, he formed himself, the incorruptible son. St. Gregory of Nazianzus, pray for us. Let us pray. God our Father, who by sending into the world the word of truth and the spirit of sanctification made known to the human race your wondrous mystery, grant us, we pray, that in professing the true faith we may acknowledge the trinity of eternal glory and adore your unity, powerful in majesty. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go and announce the Gospel of the Lord.